0: That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. Well, that's what she said.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of That's What She Said with Sarah Spain. Excited to have Elena Deladon back on the podcast. Now, I keep getting her in these, like, 20-minute chunks. When I talked to her back in 2016— Uh, it was a short one and it's amazing to see how much has changed in her life since then. And one of the things I've really noticed is, you know, I, I met her right when she moved to Chicago. I did a story about her for ESPNW. We went and got deep dish pizza. We talked about what it was like to be moving to a new city and becoming a professional player. We talked about her fears and her concerns about being away from her family and, um, it's just amazing the difference I've seen since when she was drafted way back when to when I had her on the podcast in 2016 to now. Um, and one of the, one of the coolest things I think is she's really embracing herself and she's coming into her own in terms of understanding the roles that she can play as a leader and as an advocate. And, um, it was just a couple of years ago that she went public with her relationship with her now wife, Amanda, who was then her girlfriend, and just seeing her embrace the role of being a positive role model for young LGBTQ um, boys, girls, athletes, everybody, um, while also talking about her battles with Lyme disease and chronic illness and how that affects her as an athlete and just as a person, um, how open she was about her experience uh, way back when of going to UConn. And deciding it wasn't right for her, that she wanted to be closer to family, that she was going to step away from the best program with the best coach and do what was right for her. And I think having that self awareness about making the decisions that are right for her at the right time in her life has seemed to really paid off. Um, you know, she, she now feels like someone who is comfortable and ready to speak openly about her life and herself in a way that she never was before. So it was really cool to have a conversation with her, having kind of followed her path throughout the league. Now, admittedly, I would have liked to have gotten a little bit deeper into the stuff with the Chicago Sky, but it's definitely not Elena's style to trash them after leaving town. Um But I've mentioned this on the pod before, you know, the Chicago Sky had a future MVP in Sylvia Fowles who forced her way out to another team, and then Elena. And part of that is WNBA contract issues, but there's also got to be some through line there with what's going on with the Chicago Sky as a franchise, and it stinks for WNBA fans in Chicago um that they will have had these two tr- incredible players, generational players in Fowles and Deladon that both decided that they'd be better off playing elsewhere. So we did get into that a little bit and how life is different for her playing for the Mystics, Um but also talking about the two new books that she's uh, got coming out in just a week or so. Uh, one of them is an autobiography where she gets into um coming out as gay, talks about leaving UConn. Um, and one of the things I loved is she's promoting it as a book that has life lessons for boys and girls and that it was really important to her to make sure that she hits male and female audience and that she has an influence for boys, girls, women, and men. Um, one of the things that I find so frustrating is fans of teams like the U.S. women's hockey team that just won gold or the U.S. women's national soccer team, WNBA, have trouble finding the women's jerseys in men's sizes, right? We don't have any trouble. There's all sorts of women's gear that's hot pink and bedazzled and whatever else, for the other leagues, the men's leagues. Um, but when you want to be supportive, and one of the coolest things that you see at WNBA games is little boys walking around in the jerseys and the t-shirt jerseys of the players. It shouldn't be about only looking up to role models that are the same gender as you are. And I love that she hits on that in her book and wants to be a role model for anybody um, that wants to read and wants to understand what she went through to get to where she is today. And then her other book is a book uh, for kids aged 8 to 12. It's the first in a, in a series um, and it's sort of loosely based on her life, but it's fictional. So she's definitely spreading her wings a little bit beyond being more open with media, also getting into into writing, into sharing her stories. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Uh, I love chatting with her and sort of keeping tabs on her as she grows up. It's a little, little butterfly that's growing up. Uh, so here's my conversation with Elena Deladon.
0: That's what she said.
1: Happy to be joined back on the podcast by Elena Deladon, four-time WNBA All-Star, former member of the Chicago Sky, now with the Washington. And mystics and man, since the last time you were on, a lot has happened. Not only are you now on a new team, <laughs> but you're a newlywed. And we've we've talked via social media, but not in person. Was the wedding everything you imagined it would be? The wedding was
0: everything and more. I like look back at pictures now, and it still feels like a dream. So it was a
1: perfect day. Couldn't have asked for anything better. And you guys were the not special wedding, so everything you did was sort of videoed and followed along. Was that cool for you, or at times were you kind of like stressing and you were like, "Stop filming me, this is stressful." <laughs> there
0: were moments when um, our moms were involved, where like we had to pick a bunch of stuff and we were like, "All right, turn off the cameras first, because we need to like figure it out what we really want." But other than that, um, it was just cool that they were able to kind of follow us throughout the entire process, and they especially like looking back on we can. Look through, you know, all these memories and, you know, have that forever.
1: Yeah, you get a kind of like a running timeline of how everything came together. You had a mm-hmm. cake that was taller than you. Tell me how you decided on that.
0: <laughs> so um, that was a joint decision with the wedding planner here. He came up with a great idea and just thought it would be cute for us to kind of just cut it on the tier that was like right at our height. So um, we came up with the six-foot ate basically uh, mm-hmm. cake and it tasted incredible, which is always most important.
1: And you guys had outfit changes too. That's a that's a mm-hmm. lot. This, there was so much there was a very involved wedding. How did you guys pick your dresses <laughs> and your pantsuits and everything? Um so the gowns were just like
0: so extravagant that it's kinda like hard to dance and move and be comfortable in the gown. So it was awesome to kind of switch over look, and it was way more casual. And I think Amanda even, like, slipped on sneakers (laughs) for the reception part. So we could just dance to fun and not be worried about ruining our
1: beautiful, elegant gowns. Was there a fear that you would both come out and you'd be wearing the same dress, or do you guys have such different styles that you knew it wouldn't be a problem?
0: (laughs) There was always, like, a little worry about that, but we made sure that – people that had seen both of their dresses knew that they weren't the same. So (laughs) they were able to kind of figure that out for us, and and I prayed to God that they wouldn't allow us to come out in
1: identical situations. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. All right, so let's talk about... um, You're newlywed now and you're prepping for another season with the Mystics. You know, we don't have to get into the super nitty gritty, but I know a lot of what, you know, had you leaving the sky was the desire to be closer to family, but also that the way WNBA contracts are done, you wouldn't have full unrestricted free agency until 28, which is how old you are now. Like it would have been, they would have been able to have your rights for so long that you deciding to go somewhere else kind of required you to force your way out. Um, how was mm-hmm. that received by the sky and by fans? Did you feel like people understood what you were doing?
0: Um, I think it was kind of half and half. Some used to the others were against it. And I think that it is a problem with the WNBA. We need to have a lot more freedom of movement. So when you look at the NBA, it's so fun to see the freedom of movement and where different players uh, move to and like where different players join the same teams. So I think that is for sure something that has to change, because it's happened with other players like Sylvia Faz, myself, Tina Charles, and it just looks really bad on the player, and it looks selfish. <laughs> but, um, you know, in the end, you need to be happy in the workplace that you're in and make the right decisions for your family and for your future, and you shouldn't be locked into a team for, you know, seven years.
1: Yeah, well it used to be kind of a good thing They wanted people to get established And know the stars in their city And now you're mm-hmm. right, the the NBA gets so much publicity From seeing the big names move around um, That yeah, it, exactly. it seems like something that, that should change You know, unfortunately for Sky fans like myself Though we lose both our MVPs, right? Sylvia Fowles yeah. and you um, yeah. Is there something about the Sky that is different to you? Does it feel significantly different Playing for the Mystics than the Sky organization? Um. I
0: mean, I won't get into the nitty gritty of it, but I just wasn't ready for a change. Um, I absolutely love the city of Chicago and hope, you know, one day I can make enough money where I can have a condo there or something, because yeah. I do miss the city. I love it there. Um, but, you know, the the Washington Justice Organization has been incredible. Um, it really feels like a family, and uh, Coach T um, really has just made such a great culture there, so it's been a really great move for me, um, and I am you know, a lot closer to my family as well.
1: Yeah, so you um, ventured into this new new realm of writing books, and I did not know you had this yes. in you. First <laughs> of all, you just seem more involved on social media and media in general. Do you feel like after a couple years in the league and a couple years as a professional, you feel more comfortable kind of just letting yourself be more um, free with people knowing yeah. you and your life? Definitely. Um, I think... Coming into the league, I was kind of young and
0: just thought, you know, personal stuff should stay private and I'm just going to be a basketball player. But at the same point, you know, growing up, I'm just like, I'm so much more than that and I'm not this robot with zero um, life outside of basketball. And I felt like I was able to impact a lot of people by sharing community and just being authentic and being myself, and um, even if it causes a little bit of backlash. It, it doesn't matter because
1: I can help others. Yeah, it, and it feels like it It in part coincided with your decision to be open about your relationship with Amanda. Did you ever feel yeah. like that was sort of weighing you down and it kept you from being more open because you were so concerned about whether that got out or whether people like knew everything about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, that was huge. I mean, Amanda's the biggest part of it life, sort of keeping up from people definitely, uh, there was a huge chunk of me missing out. (laughs) Um, so I, I also needed to make sure Amanda was okay with being, you know, out there in the public and she's, she's a private person and shouldn't have to be, you know, out there and deal with criticism or whatnot. So I needed to be comfortable uh, knowing that she was going to be okay, that our relationship was now out there in the open.
1: Yeah, and, and, and especially so after the not stuff, everyone was like, okay, we love them. They're so adorable. Yeah. People right? like, yeah. um,
0: are so great and supportive. Of yeah. Them. I'm so glad we were able to share that wedding journey with them.
1: Yeah. So you have the new books coming out. Um, they both are on the shelves on March 13th, but everybody can pre-order them now. So the first one, is called My Shot, and it's it's a biography about you. It's an autobiography about everything that you've gone through and your stories and mm-hmm. in, in, in not sticking with UConn and why you stepped away from the sport for a bit. Um, do you talk also about dealing with um, with illnesses and time away from the game and, and how it is to, to have Lyme disease as a professional athlete? Yeah, um, I speak a
0: lot about playing with Lyme disease and getting chronic
1: illness and... Um, even
0: the fear when I first wasn't really sure what was wrong with me and I was just super sick and doctors didn't have the right diagnosis and I'm hoping, you know, the book can reach a lot of people that might be struggling with a chronic illness or, um, something like that and maybe they'll be able to find some answers because of my book. So, um, definitely a book about my journey, the downs and
1: how to rebound from the downs especially. Yeah. Do you talk about your relationship with Amanda as well in it?
0: Yes, I do. Um, Amanda is <laughs> in the book and uh, very important. And yeah. she's also in the book, um, so she's in of The Ball as well, which it's a fiction uh, story, but it's definitely in my life. <laughs> and it's things that I went through um, in middle school, being super tall, and also just being gay but not understanding anything. Uh, what was going on
1: or that process or why I was feeling certainly. Yeah, it's fascinating because, you know, just being a tremendous basketball player who has this incredible skill set that people love to watch, you were already sort of transcendent in a way in terms of how people viewed the WNBA and women's basketball players, right? The comparisons to Dirk Nowitzki and people like that. But now there's so many more layers that you can offer to people, whether that's talking about chronic illness, whether that's talking about, you know, being LGBTQ. Um, and mm-hmm. so it's really, I think, powerful that you're coming upon a space where you feel comfortable doing that. And these books, I guess, are a first really big step into that for you.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, it's definitely really important to me that I can help others. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm given the spotlight because I'm a professional athlete, so why not do something um, really impactful and um, something you know greater than the game? So I'm really glad to finally you know, be comfortable with, who I am and be able to share my story and really be able to wrap my head around everything I've been through and um, tell my story to the world and hope that it can help others.
1: Have you had much pushback in the way of teammates, fans, anybody that was in your life that that wasn't aware?
0: I really haven't actually. I've been like so much support and love and I think because even if somebody, you know, doesn't agree with gay marriage or whatever that may be, I think they see Amanda and I together and they see the happiness and, the, you know, I hate to say it, normalcy of our relationship. And right. they realize, you know, we're happy. So why, why, what else should matter?
1: Yeah. Well, it, it, you've been outspoken about stuff. Um, Basketball-wise, you know, when when Gino Oriyama comes up with ways to change the game that might kind of improve or uh, raise the level of awareness for women's basketball, you're kind of on board with really some big changes, like lowering the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, are you yeah. still Are you still pushing for that, or or is that is that a thing of the past?
0: Um, I just don't know if it's going to happen. So now we're trying to look for other changes that might. Um, bring more viewers to the game. But I do think change has to come um, in order to get more people interested in the WNBA. And um, I still think the biggest issue is visibility and people just not knowing we exist. And um, it's hard to be a fan of something that you can't see. So that has to be number one. The visibility has to grow, and hopefully the media coverage will grow. But I'm always open to change and to new things because, I think that's what sports are all about. You see, um, there's always changes going on, and the times have changed, and um, with social media, and uh, people people view the world a little bit differently. So why not enable the game to change with
1: it? Yeah. You know, when I had Hillary Knight on, I talked to her about how it's really difficult for female athletes because they have to not only be the best at what they do, but they also have to be the face of it and an ambassador Mm -hmm. for it, a good role model. How often do you hear from WNBA higher-ups, whether it's your coaches directly or higher-ups in the league, the commissioner, anybody on the WNBA Players Association, about your role in growing the game? Is that another job for you, essentially? Um, I
0: mean, they don't. They don't put the pressure on us that, like, we need to put the game on our shoulders and uh, make it relevant. But I do think uh, with new leadership of Lisa Borders, like, she has some great vision for the league. And it's more kind of I'll go to her and ask her, how can I help? Like, how can I reach more people? Um, so I think it needs to be, you know, a team and the type of thing where we all work together to figure this thing out and get more people interested in our game. Um, but there really isn't like pressure from them. Like, you need to do this or you need to be more vocal or they they want us to be authentic.
1: Yeah. You know, um, I talked to Lindsay Whalen for last week's pod and she said that she had originally thought she wasn't going to go overseas to play. And then when she started seeing the money offer, she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm in. Uh, is there a part <laughs> yeah. of you that ever wishes that you could try that or that maybe you will? Or are you pretty dead set on spending your your, your off season still in the States?
0: Uh, I'm pretty set on
1: in the office in, in the state. I, I really feel
0: like I'm able to do a lot in the office um, outside of basketball, like doing these books, uh, you know, just speaking to kids and doing other things. Um, just trying to be well-rounded and I've experienced learning it once in my life. And I know the importance of not just diving all into basketball, playing it all year round. So for me, the off season is a great time to train and get better, but to also do other things.
1: You uh, you also do your your tables and your cutting boards and your so yeah. tell me how you decide to get into I guess is it woodworking?
0: <laughs> yeah, woodworking. Uh, I've always been really interested in DIY. Um, um, actually, when we had bought a condo in Chicago, we needed a coffee table, so we decided to just build one because they're also it's expensive. <laughs> yeah. And um, we posted a picture of it to Instagram, and people went crazy over it. And Amanda, being the go-getter that she is, was like, hey, let's just start a business and see what happens. And we've had, you know, great uh, clients and a lot of follow-up. People are just super excited about the woodworking we do. And it's a fun hobby, and it's a nice time that Amanda and I get to spend together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, before I let you go, you have to do the thing that you missed last time because everybody's clamoring for it, the Spanish Inquisition. Didn't expect a kind of Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Number one, what's the natural talent you wish you were gifted with? Oh, singing. Are you terrible? Oh,
0: Awful.
1: <laughs> number I just two so envy Adele <laughs> Oh God, right? You just open your mouth yeah. and like you're making people's lives better. That would be exactly. nice. Exactly. Um mm-hmm. number two, your desert island album. You can only have one. I know it paints beautiful charmer. Hmm, good one. Uh Thanks. three, if you could switch lives with anyone for a day, who would it be?
0: Oof.
1: Can they be dead? Yeah, for sure. I think
0: Walt, personally, while he was making Magic Kingdom,
1: really okay. <laughs> yeah, it's good for the brand. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you. As you're on a Disney property, appreciate that. Uh, oh yeah, number... you're welcome. <laughs> number four. What's the most scared you've ever been?
0: Um, probably any time that Amanda decides to scare me. Like, this is the thing she does to hide scares <laughs> me. <laughs> so it happens about once a week, and it's absolutely terror and fear.
1: Does it ever involve like costumes, or is it just the just the surprise of her being around a corner?
0: It's the surprise of her being around the corner, and somehow I don't know how I've like haven't picked up on it yet. I'm sure,
1: costumes <laughs> are to come. Oh boy, uh, number five. What would you consider your biggest failure? Uh, uh, that's tough.
0: I guess. Losing in the WBA championship against uh,
1: Phoenix Mercury. <laughs> yeah, that was unfortunate. That that sucked. Yeah, that sucked. I was there. Uh, yeah. Number six, what habit or quality do you think has contributed most to your success?
0: Mm. Enjoying working out. So I like fitness and working out. So that's kind of helped me.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Number seven, the thing about yourself you'd most like to improve.
0: Mom, I'm not confrontational, and there's so many times I need to be, and I'm just not. <laughs> and then I just built that, so being a little bit more confrontational.
1: That's a good one. And finally, what three words would you most hope that people would use to describe you?
0: Um, driven, loyal, and caring.
1: Mm, those are good. And then the bonus right. question, who do you recommend that I have a conversation with for the podcast? Who should I talk to? Um,
0: you should probably talk to
1: Alan DeGeneres. I think she's great. Oh, okay. <laughs> Easy get. Hey, can you introduce uh, me? Yeah, and <laughs> if you could introduce me, that would be great, too. Perfect. We'll introduce <laughs> each other to her. It'll be great. Perfect. All right. I'll be on that podcast. Just let me yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks for making some time for me. Good luck with the books. I look forward to checking them out and keep doing what All you're right. doing.
0: Thanks so much. The time Thanks, Lena. Bye. Oh, and another
1: thing. This week's That's What She Read is actually two parts, and they sort of uh, they follow each other. So I don't know if you guys heard about this. It wasn't super well reported, but back right around the All-Star Game uh, for the NBA, DeMar DeRozan tweeted out right around 3 a.m. in Los Angeles, which is where he was prepping for the All-Star Game, he tweeted out, this depression get the best of me. And all these people responded to and reached out to him about it. You know, you're you're going to be fine. Like power through. Treat this like basketball and work your way through it. And we're all supporting you, and you're not alone. And he, after the fact, sort of just acted like, oh, it was just a it was just a song lyric, and kind of downplayed it. Well, now he's come out in an interview with the with the star and and talked about how he has depression and he wants to be open about it and help others. And um it's, it's a powerful and necessary conversation that we don't have enough in sports. And you guys have heard me on this podcast, talk about Kate Fagan's book, what made Maddie run. And she mentions in there, like for sports, we've got people that are working on every aspect of you physically and to neglect the mental part of it and to not understand the mental part of it is so short sighted. And that's what DeRozan talks about too. So it's in uh, the com. Um, the headline is Raptors DeRozan Hopes Honest Talk on Depression Helps Others. Uh, this is a column by Doug Smith, and I'm just going to read you a little bit of it. He says, this is DeMar speaking, this is real stuff. He said, we're all humans at the end of the day. That's why I look at every person I encounter the same way. I don't care who you are. You can be the smallest person off the street or you can be the biggest person in the world. I'm going to treat everybody the same with respect. My mom always told me, never make fun of anybody because you never know what that person is going through. Ever since I was a kid, I never did. I never did. I don't care what shape, form, ethnicity, nothing. I treat everybody the same. You never know. And it's interesting because after DeRozan came out and talked about uh, the depression and his issues uh, back on February 25th, now just a few days later or a couple weeks later, we're seeing Kevin Love tell his story in the Players' Tribune. And he actually mentions that line from DeMar DeRozan, that everybody is going through something. And that really hit him and made him want to talk about what he struggled with. And for Kevin Love, it was panic attacks. And, you know, this is something that I I can't imagine anybody knew about, except for maybe the team until now. And to be open about it and to talk about, um, literally being in the middle of a game and having to take himself out of it because he he physically realized that he could not compete anymore. His heart was racing. He, he was having trouble focusing. His eyes were blurring. Uh, and he told his coach mid-game, he said to Tyron Lou, I'll be right back, and he ran into the back of the locker room and just said he was running from room to room, and he wasn't sure what he was running towards or away from. Um, He just said, it was like I was looking for something I couldn't find And trying to get his heart to stop racing His body was saying to him, you're about to die And he ended up lying on the training room floor Trying to get enough air to breathe Taking these gasps of breath And they took him to the Cleveland Clinic and ran tests And nothing was there physically Everything checked out, which was a relief for him But then he didn't know what it was And so this was back on November 5th The game against the Hawks uh, really early in the season. And he has since started seeing a therapist, started to try to understand what would make him have a panic attack. And I think this is an important part of what Kevin Love writes about in this Players Tribune article. He says, I want to make it clear that I don't have things figured out about all of this. I'm just starting to do the hard work of getting to know myself. For 29 years, I avoided that. Now I'm trying to be truthful with myself. I'm trying to be good to the people in my life. I'm trying to face the uncomfortable stuff in life while also enjoying and being grateful for the good stuff. I'm trying to embrace it all, the good, bad, and ugly. I want to end with something I'm trying to remind myself about these days. Everyone is going through something that we can't see. And he goes on to say, mental health isn't just an athlete thing. What you do for a living doesn't have to define who you are. This is an everyone thing. No matter what our circumstances, we're all carrying around things that hurt. And they can hurt us if we keep them buried inside. Not talking about our inner lives robs us of really getting to know ourselves and robs us of the chance to reach out to others in need. So if you're reading this and you're having a hard time, no matter how big or small it seems to you. I wanna remind you that you're not weird or different for sharing what you're going through. And that's so important and we hear it so often, right? But representation, seeing someone that you look up to, seeing someone that you care about that represents something that you thought was specific to you, that you thought was abnormal or different or weird. And it fits right in with Deladon, right? That she is now willing to say, I am this beautiful, successful, talented, amazing basketball player, but I'm willing to share with you my weakness um You know, the, the the illness that I have that, that sidelines me, I'm willing to share with you the fear that I had about coming out publicly as LGBTQ, you know, these pieces of representation. And so this is such an awesome thing from Kevin Love. And one of the things he also talked about in the story is the idea that he felt like he couldn't talk about it because he had been raised to understand what it was to be a man. that 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 was strength, that it was not, not admitting that you're weak, not admitting that you've struggled with things. And we can go through a million different reasons why that is so problematic in our culture, right? And we talk about it specifically a lot recently in terms of, you know, uh, mental health and school shootings, mass shootings, um, the idea that we are so hypersensitive to masculinity and what it means to be a man, that if you're getting rejected by women, or if you don't have enough friends, or if you're not good at sports, or if you're not strong enough, that that becomes something that you hold up inside you and it boils and, and your release is anger or revenge or suicide or worse. And um, he talks about it. He says, it's like a playbook. Be strong. Don't talk about your feelings. Get through it on your own. And that for 29 years of his life, that's how he handled things. And we need to talk about it more. And I really would like to have um, this great guest, former Heisman Trophy winner, um, who has, has has done an incredible job of talking about um, mental health and masculinity specifically. He's a, he, you know, Don McPherson. He's a former... Heisman trophy winning quarterback who played in the NFL and now considers himself a feminist who wants to go talk to young boys and men about what it means to be truly, um, truly a man. Not, not to fall into the traps of stereotypical masculinity. So I'd love to have him on because this is right in his wheelhouse and it's something we don't talk about nearly enough, right? That's why I'm always saying stop saying people's man cards are getting taken away, right? It's, it's, it shouldn't be this, uh, this, this focus for our kids, for our young boys and, now, of course, I'm off on a tangent because this is a topic for another time. But read the stories. Players Tribune and the TheStar.com. Really good stuff from DeMar DeRozan and Kevin Love. And thanks, as always, for lasting a little bit less than an hour with me.
0: That's what she said.